Today's reading comes from Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. Listen for God's word for us. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, good morning and, and welcome. Uh, my name is Nathan, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, it's fun to, to be here, especially in light of just uh, what we all did last Sunday night together. Um, that's right. Charlie, high five. All right. Good. Well, I know many of you, uh, many of you were there. It was really fun at our congregational meeting, seeing so many of you, and uh, just the joy that that was to be together. And uh, if... For those of you who weren't there, I mean, we voted to move forward with purchasing new homes for Shawnee Mission and downtown, so it's really, really exciting, right? It won't always be this crowded um, in here. You'll have uh, lobby space, kid space. Um, we're, we're moving forward and really, really excited. And the thing, the thing for me, I think that was the most beautiful there at that meeting uh, at the Olathe campus. That's where I spend most of my time, by the way, and so thank you for, for coming all the way out there. Uh, but I love seeing uh, the picture of all of us together. Um, you know, there are like 450 people in that room from all of our campuses um, together. And to think that 99% said yes, enthusiastically, let's move forward and do this. I mean, that, that blew us away, blew me away. I hope you feel loved and encouraged by that. I mean, it just was such a joy for us. I mean, even for all of us, campus pastors, uh, senior pastors, the, the staff, to celebrate on Monday uh, what we saw God do together with us as a church was really, really exciting. Uh, it's beautiful that we get to do this together, right? Uh, it, it's different. It's unique, right? Thinking about a church that's spread out across our city in five different locations. Um, but we are, we're together in this mission. Um, and we love you. And we are, we are so excited to see what God does. We expect really, really great things. And I know for some of you are like, yeah, but where's Gabe, right? Um, yeah, I know. Where is that guy? Well, I know he'd love to be here and celebrating this moment with you as well. He is uh, preaching at our Leewood campus uh, this morning uh, as we continue to build excitement and energy. So he's telling stories about what God is doing in this space and in our city through all of you uh, there this morning. And that means you're, uh, you're stuck with me. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for your patience. But let me, let me pray for us and we'll, we'll dive into God's word together this morning. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for your church. God, I'm so thankful that we get to do this together. Um, Leewood, Olathe, Brookside, Shawnee Mission, and here in the heart of our city. God, what a joy that is. God, I pray that we'd be faithful 
God, that we would be diligent in what you've called us to, that we move forward with wisdom, with compassion, with generosity, and with love for one another. God, I pray that you would continue to bless your church, not because we um, are great or because we have it coming to us. God, no, we know better than that. Um, it's because you have promised to build your church and to redeem all kinds of people uh, through your bride. Um, and so we pray that you do that. God, we're excited for what you have in store for us. And God, I just pray again that we would be faithful in it. And now, Lord Jesus, as we look at your word, God, I pray that we would find comfort in these words written so long ago. God, we all come with different things, different joys, different struggles, different burdens. And God, I pray that through your word, through your spirit at work within each one of us, God, that we would hear your voice and that we would hear you say comfort to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I was, I was devastated. Uh, it might sound like an, a, a bit of an exaggeration, especially when you know the circumstances. It was a vacation day. Um, but I, I, was, I was so bummed out. Like I, I had planned uh, this day like for a couple of years and had been waiting for it. In fact, we uh, had a, a large trip together. It was, I was on sabbatical, similar to how, how Gabe had uh, about a year ago, right? Um, and so this, this fall, and we had planned so much of this trip around this, this one day. We'd save for years to make it happen. And it was ruined. Like, my expectations were just completely on the floor. We were, we were again, it's just vacations. Like, who really cares? Nathan, stop whining. I know, I know. But like, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. We were in Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska. Never been. You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Um, it's not exactly easy to get to as well. So it's like, well, we'll just swing by the next time we're, no. Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Like, you can really only visit it by boat. Uh, and we'd done so much planning and thinking. And my, again, my expectations were, were just sort of on the floor. But I didn't know that yet, that day. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to see it. And so, like, I got up at 5 a.m. on a vacation day. Um, tells you a little bit about me. Um, and uh, I, you know, snuck out of our, our room and crept outside. And the moment I walked outside, I was greeted by, like, drizzling rain, icy cold, and, like, truly the densest fog I'd ever seen. Like, I didn't even know they made fog that dense. It was, you couldn't, you, like, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, you could see, like, truly nothing. That, that's, that's. Actually, that looks better uh, than what I saw. Um, and it was infuriating because it was like, this is supposed to be one of the most beautiful places in the world. We saved all this, all this money. Uh, we did all this work, and that was our view. It was like, awesome. This is going to be a super fun day. Um, and so I was, I was pretty ticked. And, you know, I, I know, I know, like, some of you are like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, who cares, right? It's just a vacation day. And I, and I get that, except that it kind of does matter, Right? Because this is, I mean, big or small, like this is what you and I do all the time. We make our plans. We expect our lives to look a certain way. We do our best. You know, and sometimes for some of us, we even get away with it for a little while. And then the fog rolls in. You know, and for some of you, that, maybe that's where you're sitting right now and you feel like you feel it coming in, right? You can almost see it from a distance clouding out your life. You know, maybe it's when a relationship crumbles or a job. You have to relocate or a friendship breaks down. Maybe stuff in your own health, right? Or, or you know, sometimes it's, it's stuff that we bring on ourselves by our own poor choices. Other times, it's stuff that just happens in a world as broken as ours. 
And either way, like we know, it just it shouldn't be this way. This isn't, this isn't what I was planning. This is what, what, what I was expecting. This isn't what my life was supposed to be. And some of you, maybe, maybe even as we get closer and closer to Christmas, you feel that fog even more intensely. And for some of us in that moment, you just sort of want to go home, right? And so we've been, we've been in this series together these last few weeks in Isaiah. We've called it Coming Home because uh, so much of Isaiah is about that longing that we feel when, when everything seems like it's falling apart. Um, and yet God continues to reach down with comfort. If you haven't if already, turn, turn to the book of Isaiah with me. Um, and let me, let me do a little bit of a review. Again, I know, I know we've been in this the last few weeks. We've been kind of jumping around a little bit. Um, but look, just to re- recall, like Isaiah's writing a long time ago, like 700 years before Jesus. And so roughly the time that Isaiah does his sort of prophetic work, and you imagine him as kind of an itinerant preacher there in this hostile world, uh, it's like the worst of the worst for God's people. Like things just keep getting uglier and uglier. So like 740 to 681 roughly, that's, that's you know, when Isaiah's doing his thing. 722, uh, so this is, this is already after Israel and Judah had split in, split in two nations, right? Because they've just outright rebellion against God, the God who called them out of Egypt. Like it's, just, it's just terrible, terrible stuff. Uh, and they'd already split in two. 722, um, Isaiah witnesses the destruction of Israel to the north by the Assyrians. I mean, to put it in perspective a little bit, that'd be like uh, if Iowa or Nebraska was invaded and taken over by the Canadians, right? <laughs> like, it'd be a big deal, eh? Because huh? we always, who wants to talk like that? It'd be coming. Sorry, that was awful. That was awful. Uh, Tyler said I should do that. Um, but that's, that's kind of, I mean, he saw that and he knows that's what's coming for Judah. Like, and it's on its way and it, and it will come later on, long after Isaiah's gone. But Isaiah, like, has this glimpse. He knows that there's destru- dis- dis- destruction. And so the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, I mean, it's just bleak. Because the first 39 chapters are almost exclusively warnings and judgment. Isaiah saying to God's people, you, you got to knock it off. Like, you can't live like this. Like, you're, you're, you're digging your own grave, essentially, over and over and over again, he says them. And in the midst of those warnings and judgment, what do God's people do? Well, in many ways, it's the same things that you and I tend to do when we feel the fog rolling in around us. They look for ways to comfort themselves. And we do that, don't we? Like, rather than turning to God, like for, for Judah, they turned to Egypt. Save us. Like, the, the people who had enslaved them, they turned and said, would you save us from these nations that are coming? They turned to the false gods, the idols. They look for everything else to give comfort into their lives. And chances are, you are here today looking for comfort and chances are, if you are anything like me, you spend much of your life looking for it in so many of the wrong places. Right? And maybe, maybe you think, well, yeah, Nathan, uh, Merry Christmas to you too, right? I mean, it's a bit of a downer, isn't it? It's two weeks before, not even, you know, a week and a half before Christmas, and really this is what we're talking about? Well, wait for it. Because in Isaiah chapter 40, everything changes in chapter 40, Isaiah's tone, it's, it's completely different. Like he begins writing, you've seen this the last couple of weeks, right? He begins writing to the people as if they'd already been exiled, as if they'd already been taken from their home. And the first words out of God's mouth in chapter 40 is comfort. 
Like, like even, even in the bleakest of times, God speaks comfort. Even when we run from him, God chases us down with comfort. And if you take just one thing with you today, I hope it's this. Only God has the comfort you need. Only God has the comfort you need. And when God speaks comfort to our wounded souls, even if our circumstances don't change, which is often the case, even so the fog begins to lift. So let's, let's look at this poetry together. It's such a beautiful poem. So much of Isaiah is written in this sort of beautiful format. But let, let's, let's go to the text. The first, the first thing we see here is that our homeless hearts long for comfort. Like, and I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on it. We know that, right? We've been talking about the last couple, like this longing that we have. We've left home, essentially, and we're left longing. We know things aren't quite right. And so imagine what it'd be like for God's people then uh, to hear these, these words from God. Because for, for them, like they know they've brought this on themselves. Which, I mean, that's like the worst kind of shame, isn't it? Like, like when things fall apart and you know that it's your own fault. That's a, that's a terrible place to be. And in that moment, the first thing God says, chapter 40, verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now, now there's two ways we tend to use that word comfort, right? And we're going to use it a lot this morning, but there's two ways that I think culturally we tend to use it. One, one we talk about comfort as in like ease, like relaxation, like a comfortable life, like everything going fine, no pain, that, that kind of thing. And let's just be clear, like nowhere is Isaiah promising that, nowhere does God promise that to his people. Like sometimes that's, that's what we think, like if, well, if we're going to obey God and, and follow him, then everything's going to go smooth and easy. And the reality is if you've been doing that any length of time, you know that's just not true. Nowhere does God promise a comfortable life to us on this side. This comfort, the, the comfort that Isaiah speaks to, the comfort that God's word tells us about, it's like, it's like when you've had a terrible day at school and your mom just holds you. It's like when you feel everything unraveling all around you and you have that friend who just sits there in it with you. It's like when you feel the homelessness inside you, that ache and yet God's presence somehow, even if it's just for a moment, shows up and encourages you. That's the kind of comfort that Isaiah speaks of. So verse, verse 2, then as it continues, he says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity, her sin is pardoned. And there's a couple things going on there. That word for warfare, it's not just like, I mean, war is bad enough. But the word there means like a draft, like forced military service, like no choice, no option. You're all going to war because we're all going to die if we don't. I mean, that's the kind, and he says it's, it's over. It's, it's going to be finished. The things that, that are not wrong in our world, the brutality that we experience one day will end and pardon for all iniquity. So, so the things that are bad and broken around us, but also that which is wrong within us, there's forgiveness. And then in verse 3, he says, A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, 
and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, when I first kind of hear those words, part of me is like, okay, wait a second, you're going you're gonna to raise up the valleys and crush down the mountains, like turn Colorado into Kansas and make a highway? Like, that seems like a terrible idea. Like, God, please don't do that, right? It's, just, it's no good. But, I mean, it's a metaphor, right? And it's a beautiful metaphor. You think about it because, like, what God is, what God is saying there, I mean, if you've ever, like, driven in the mountains, okay, probably, some of you probably have, and, and compare that to, like, the flattest portions of I-70 on Kansas, like, it is a huge difference. And now imagine, like, doing that on foot, like, with everybody, right? And so what God is saying is metaphor. It's like he's not, you know, rearranging the geography. What he's saying is that when I come to get you, when I come to make my home with you, I will break down every obstacle. Anything that could possibly slow me down when I come to, to rescue, when I come to bring my comfort and my joy and my hope to you, like, nothing will get in its way. Not the mountains, not the valleys, not the deserts, nothing. In fact, 700 years later, the Gospel of Luke would pick up on this, right? Some of you might recognize those words from uh, when Jesus comes, right? Luke refers to John the Baptist as the voice of this one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for our God, because Jesus is God himself come to get us. And because of the warfare and pain, because of the sin and shame, regardless of what you believe, our, our homeless hearts long for comfort. We need it. We long for it. But then here, here's the second thing that we see. We long for comfort. I think we, we know that. We know we need that. We know the brokenness around us and within us. But the second thing is that only God can speak the words we long to hear. Only God can speak the words we long to hear. Let me tell you, though, um, I mean, just about every time I find myself in that place longing for comfort, whether it's because I'm afraid or I feel lonely or depressed or disappointed or frustrated, like whatever, right? Whatever negative emotion you and I feel, in those moments, I typically look just about anywhere else for comfort than for God. And it's not, that, it's not that we can't find comfort elsewhere. We know we can. And many of those things God has given to us as good things for gifts to be part of his comfort in our lives. And yet, they don't last. Like, they're never quite enough. The things that I turn to, whatever it is for you, like, it's never quite enough. And so look at, look at verse 6 then. Verse 6, he says, A voice says, Cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Well, that's comforting, right? I thought this was like the hopeful part of Isaiah. It's like it feels so bleak, doesn't it? And in many ways, it absolutely is. I mean, he's saying, and I mean, let's just call it out right now. You and I, we are grass. We are here today, gone tomorrow, prone to air. We are fickle and fleeting. The wind blows over us and we're gone. It's a pretty shocking reality, isn't it? This is, this is part of the fog that we live in. Every one of us here is dying. We know it and we hate it. And while other dying people 
can comfort us, right? And we should comfort each other in our, in our pain and our heartache. And yet at the, at the end of the day, we're all like in the same boat together. It's like we're all trying to encourage one another as the, as the ship sinks, right? Like we need somebody outside of us who can speak comfort, who's not in the same predicament as us. And this, this is, I think, what Isaiah is getting at the most here. Yes, we are grass, but there is one who isn't like grass. There, there is one whose word stands forth forever. I mean, Isaiah says, then there's God. Look at him. What God says stands forever. Because anybody, anybody can say comfort, right? Anybody can tell you it's going to be okay, right? And people, we say that to each other all the time. It's going to be okay. Like, what do you know, Right? I mean, the reality is it could get way worse, right? You, we don't know that. We try to comfort one another, and yes, we should try to comfort one another. But we're all, we're all grass together, and yet when God says comfort, we can listen because his word stands for, forth forever. It all depends on, on who says it, doesn't it? It kind of reminds me a little bit of when our kids were, were little, um, Eden, our daughter, she was maybe three or four at the time, and she and I were on the main level of our house, and Kelly, my wife, uh, was upstairs, and Eden hurt herself. I don't remember exactly what happened. It's probably her brother's fault. Um, we'll just assume that that, well, that was the case. But she's, like, at the bottom of the stairs just, like, sobbing, shouting out for, for mom. She wants her mom. And I'm, like, literally three feet away. Um, <laughs> Like, just, like, if she just doesn't care. She's just, you know, yelling up the stairs. And so I'm like, all right, I got this, right? Uh, and so, I, I, you know, I go over and I start trying to, you know, comfort her and, you know, do all those things that I should probably be better at. Um, and she, she stops crying. It's like, all right, that's good. She looks at me dead in the eyes and says with absolute disgust in her voice, I want mom. Because <laughs> the reality is, like, at least in our house, like, she knows where the comfort is. And I can, I can try my best, right? I can offer it to her. But she knew what she wanted. And the reality is every time, like, friends, every time you and I turned to shopping or food or sex or alcohol or success or family or work or vacation or, like, whatever it is on your list, right? Every time we turn to those things, what we're really saying is, I want God. But this is... This is just easier. It's faster. It often feels a whole lot safer. And the reality is I, I need this reminder. Like one of the biggest struggles for me personally in my own, my own faith is why it seems like God is always so slow. Like, do you, I mean, anybody else, like, like the, things, the things that I've been dealing with or hurting through or, or praying for or for myself or my family or for those closest to me. And, I mean, do you ever just feel like, God, like, have you forgotten us? Like, where, where are you in those moments? I mean, like, Amazon Prime is way more efficient, isn't it? Like, God takes forever and we can get anything we want in two days. It's like, and you pray to him and it's like, God, what is happening? And, and passages like this, the whole, you know, we're grass thing, on the one hand, they absolutely infuriate me because nobody, nobody likes being reminded that we're grass. Here today, gone tomorrow. I hate it. They also help me because they, they just remind me that I experience time very differently than God does. Because I'm here, I mean, just think about the, the, the length of human history, even just that which we know about and how, how quickly we're here and gone. Right? I mean, just like, we, we are so immediate and God lives forever. 
We, we only see and experience one thing at a time, and God sees the entire picture all at once, right? I mean, even, even just to put it in perspective here, like, think about this. So let's say Isaiah wrote these words around 686 BC. It'd be another 100 years before they'd even be exiled, another 50 years after that till they'd return, 550 more years until Jesus, and here we are 2,000 years later. And I get so bent out of shape because God hasn't answered my prayer request from six days ago or six years ago. Friends, the reality is God's clock works differently than my own. And as hard as this is, this means you and I, we may not experience the fullness of his comfort in this lifetime. The reality is for some of us, we might, we might die in the fog. But what God says, he will make good on. Like, that's what Isaiah is pushing at. Like, what he said, he will still do it. And when he says peace, when he says comfort, when he says forgiven, when he says that your life matters and your regrets do not define you, when God speaks comfort to our wounded souls, even if you have to wait forever for it, you can bet your life on it. Because only he has the comfort you need. And when God says comfort, everything changes, even if it doesn't. That, that's the last thing. When we hear him say comfort to us, everything changes, even if nothing changes. Listen, listen to what Isaiah says here then. I'm like, if, if God says this and, and we actually, as his people, believe it, what are we supposed to do about it, right? Well, look, look what he says. He says, go... Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And I love that. Look at him, he says. Behold the Lord God, he comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Their circumstances haven't even changed yet. And there's a good chance yours haven't either. And yet there are, there are two responses for his people if we're listening. Two things in particular. First, and maybe this is like the most obvious, but the first thing is be comforted. Like, if this is who God is and what he's promising to us, then find your comfort here. Christmas is a promise that God will put an end to all of our sorrow and shame. That eventually the fog will lift. And and you see what's so amazing in these verses? And what blows me away is like, um, especially those last couple verses, like Isaiah gives us two pictures of God and they seem like exact opposites. Did you notice that? And yet for him, it's not a contradiction. Like he, this is who God is. Listen to what he, like, do you see what he, like he describes him as a fierce warrior as well as as a tender shepherd. That our, that our God is a fierce warrior with strength and power. Nothing can stop him and he fights for you. But he's also a tender shepherd carrying you in his arms like a lamb. I mean, the language that Isaiah uses is that God, our God has an arm to rule and an arm to carry. And this is, this is the only way there can possibly be comfort. Like if God is one of those but not the other, we're, we're doomed. 
Like we, we need a God who's, who's strong enough to actually do something about our pain, that we can trust him when he says he will, he will bring comfort. But we also need a God who's close enough to know what we need, right? Who, who understands our heartache and our pain. So let him comfort you. Well, easier said than done, right? How? How do we do that? I think just transparently, one of the things for me, it begins by acknowledging the pseudo comforts that I run to instead of him. Again, it's not that those are bad things necessarily. I mean, some of them might be, right? But just acknowledging the fact that this is where I go when I'm afraid or in pain or hurting or sad or overwhelmed, right? And just, just calling those things out and frankly, maybe denying ourselves once in a while so that, we, so that we feel it. I mean, I think for many of us, we live in a culture where we deny ourselves nothing ever, anytime, right? But in those moments of, of weakness, of wounding, to say, you know, I'm gonna, instead of going where I always go, to tell me I'm okay, to make me feel a little bit better. I'm going to go to God instead. And then with that, once you figure out what those things are, you've got to tell yourself daily of the one who can satisfy. I mean, if you want the comfort that's offered here, you've got to immerse yourself in these words, his words to you. Maybe it's meditating on passages like Isaiah chapter 40. Maybe it's memorizing the, the chapter. It's such a beautiful, beautiful chapter. But read, read your Bibles. Pray to him daily. I mean, God wants to speak comfort to us. But for many of us, our lives are so busy, so loud, so frantic and distracted, we can't even hear his voice anymore. Like, if you want this comfort, you have to put yourself in the place where he can speak to you and you can hear him and be comforted. Yeah, it's very true. God's, God makes it very clear in his word that he, he's, he doesn't lie. In fact, in Isaiah, he talks about that. So what he says, we can count on. And so then the second response, so be comforted, that's number one. And second, be comfort. That's pretty clear as well, what, what Isaiah says, right? Be his comfort for others. Just climb up on a mountain. Like go up to the, to, to the rooftops, lift up your voice, you herald of good news, he says. And tell the world, Maybe just think about that for a moment. And I, and I don't want this to sound like arrogant as, as Christians. Hopefully this comes with all humility, right, and grace towards others. But think about, like, we have what everybody's looking for. Like the, the, the satisfaction, the joy. Yeah, okay, we're, 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 you know, we're still broken, right? Um, and we, we don't have all of the answers. But just, like, look around. And look, we are searching everywhere for this kind of comfort. You can hear it in every song. You see it in every TV show. It's the background noise of every conversation. And we know that you're not going to find it under the tree. Like the perfect relationship or family, it's not going to, I mean, even if those things are possible, right? It's not going to do it for like success no matter how much you get or money. Like we know, like all of us are searching. And we know where to look. But together, we, we say together as a community, our God is our comfort the one who came to rescue us, who entered into our pain and brokenness, where else can you find that? And so who will you tell and who will you comfort? A couple, couple of weeks ago, um, my wife and I were, as after services in, in Olathe, and there was some uh, dear friend, someone who had been part of our church family for, for years, and she's someone who, um, and she and I talked about this, she knows I'm, I'm telling a bit of her story um, as, I, as I preach this, but um, she suffered more than most. We'll just, we'll say that. In fact, very, very clearly, if you were to um, ask her, 
you know, what in her life has turned out as she would have planned? Be very, very little. I mean, she's had heartache after heartache. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to comfort her. I'm a pastor. That's what we try to do, as if I know anything about real suffering, truthfully. Um, and she just stopped me at one point, and she just said, you know, Nathan, he's never let me down. He's never, and I, like, I could list out for you all the ways in which it looks so clearly as if God has let her down. But she's learned to listen to another voice, to one who speaks comfort to her. And friends, our God doesn't just speak comfort from afar. That's what we celebrate with Christmas, that our God has come. He left the comforts of home, of of heaven to come and to get us. He, He took on our sins so that we could be forgiven. He died in our place so that we could live. And he longs to speak these words to you. Maybe for the first time, for some of you. Perhaps you've been been running from him, but it's not working. You've been looking for comfort. You know that's what you've been doing, and yet it hasn't quite been enough. Maybe today you you hear comfort knocking on your door, and maybe today is the day you let him in. Others of us, it might be the 10,000th time you've asked him for comfort. For whatever it is you're carrying, I pray that this Christmas season, you will experience it fresh and new again. Because there, there I was, standing on that stupid boat in that stupid fog. It's so dumb. I'm embarrassed even to tell you about it. But I was, like, I was just a, like, I was a mess, right? I know it's so minor to like real, real problems, right, um, that we all, we all carry with us. And yet I felt, I felt powerless. I felt blind. And yet the boat like kept moving deeper and deeper in. Uh, and again, it's just like infuriating. It's like, I bet the views here are great, right? You just, you just feel that. And so I, you know, we went down and had breakfast together as a family, Dad in a terrible mood. Um, in fact, I've come to realize I am Clark Griswold, actually. Um, <laughs> vacation with a cranky, cranky dad. It's, it's, a, it's a great experience. Um, and and I, so we're, we're sitting there have, having breakfast together. And then all of a sudden, without warning, um, and almost instantly, like you could see barely out the window, the fog beginning to lift. And so I... I wish I was exaggerating. I abandoned my breakfast. Uh, my son David reminded me a couple weeks ago that I also abandoned my entire family. Um, <laughs> just completely left them behind uh, to, to go up on, on deck and see. And because, because of the fog, it wasn't like we saw the beauty coming from off in the distance. Like we crept into it from afar, you know, kind of like the. It was like we were there in its midst when all of a sudden the curtains parted and you could just see everything in every direction everywhere. And I mean, again, no big deal. Like, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, right? Some of you are like, great. I'm so thrilled, Nathan. All of your problems work out just great. Um, they don't, I assure you. Because um, I, I, like, I know, like, with the big stuff in life, the stuff that matters, it doesn't often work out like that. And for some of you, you're going to be in the fog for a while longer. But here's, here's the point, friends. The beauty was there whether I could see it or not. So is he. And I know how hard it is to believe that there is a God out there when all you can see is fog and pain and disappointment around you. Death. And death, absolutely. And yet when God speaks comfort, if we're listening with faith, when we hear him say comfort to us, it's like that moment was on the boat for me that we're just a glimpse of him and everything changes. All that's been hidden becomes clear. Even if nothing changes, For Isaiah says, not your problems are going to get better, 
Not that it's going to be easy on this side of the new creation. But what he says is, behold your God. Look at him. Our fierce warrior who fights for you, our tender shepherd who weeps with you. And friends, it is a promise, and he whispers it to you now. I know what you need. I have the comfort that you're longing for. And one day the fog will lift, and we will be washed in a beauty that far surpasses it all. And this morning we even get to come to this table together to remind ourselves to celebrate this, this comfort. Or we're, we're told, right, in the scriptures that we, we come to the Lord's table. And we do this as a remembrance of him. And we do it proclaiming his death until he comes. And he, until he comes to make his home with us and to make us whole and right again. And so uh, that's the, the beautiful thing, right? Our fierce warrior, our tender shepherd, he also becomes the lamb that was slain. For Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. And my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of our sins. And so if you're, if you're new here this morning, we, we don't, um, you don't have to be a member or anything like that. If you embrace Jesus, we'd love to celebrate with you at this table. If that doesn't describe you yet, um, we're really, really glad you're here. But we wouldn't ask you to do anything that would make you uncomfortable um, or that you're not ready for yet. And so I'd encourage you, if that describes you, sit, pray, reflect. Um, and maybe, maybe grab onto this comfort through Jesus and come and celebrate with us for the first time at the table. We have um, two tables up here in the front. We'll gather you in groups of five or six because it's a family meal, something that we celebrate and remind ourselves even in the process of taking together. Take the bread, dip it in the cup, and eat together uh, at the instructions of your server. Before we do that, though, let me pray for us. Father, I know even in my own life how desperate I am for this kind of comfort. And God, I realize that in a room like this, um, there are many who are carrying pains that run much deeper. God, I pray, God, would you please, through your spirit, take these words written down so long ago by your servant Isaiah, God, would you take these words uh, spoken by a piece of grass like me and would you root them deep within us as only your spirit can do? God, I, I pray that we would hear you whispering to us, even in the quiet, in the stillness. God, would you whisper to us comfort? Remind us that we are your children. Remind us that it will not always be so hard. And God, I pray in the midst of those reminders, we'd be able to celebrate and worship. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.